Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. But I want to say a warning to you because the Lord just says for me to do that. Do not get entangled with the things of this world. They will drag you down spiritually. Let's put our treasure in heaven. What is treasure in heaven? Well, it's serving, it's giving, it's sharing our testimony, it's being excited about the things of God. And many of you are here, and I know you're doing that, but do not get caught up into this greed deal because God is not pleased. There are people, groups, churches who proclaim to be followers of Jesus. But when it comes to actually embracing the word as truth, they don't quite line up with the truth of Jesus. Whether they've added to or subtracted from the Word, it's become something else. So, if they're not a church of God, what are they? As we'll hear today, it's clear in Revelation exactly who they are. A church of Satan. It may sound extreme, but outward appearance doesn't cut it when it comes to salvation. You can call yourself anything you want, but if you're not embracing the truth, you're not a Christian. You're following something else. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Revelation chapter 2, verse 9, with our continuing study entitled, Fearless. Now I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews, but are not. In our synagogue, is a very bold statement, a synagogue of Satan. Now, not only are they faithful in persecution, which we'll see more later, but they're faithful in poverty. The word you see in verse 9 for no is the same word we talked about last week, oida, which means this, 100% complete knowledge. Not like, mm, I think I have an idea what kind of things you're going through, but it's 100%. And so Jesus says, I know exactly what you're going through. You see, that's why he came and lived, so he would know what you're going through. Whatever you're going through tonight, Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. You said, if you understood what was happening in my marriage... Jesus wasn't married, he couldn't know that. Yes, he does know it. He knows exactly. Now, it's interesting because there's two real words in the Greek for poverty. One is kind of just just barely making it from, from week to week. You know, paycheck to paycheck, we would call it today. But this word is a different word. It means abject beggary. Total poverty. If you want to write something in a code outside that word, you can just write a circle. Zero. They had nothing. He says, you're doing fine. You're faithful in that. Now, I told you at the beginning that Smyrna was an incredibly successful, rich, prosperous city. How could these people have nothing? Absolutely nothing. Well, here's how. You remember during the times of Hitler, when the Jews were in Germany and Austria, what did Hitler do to those people? 
he would come in and they would find out that they were Jews. What would happen to their businesses? He'd take them. What would happen to their families? He'd separate them. What would happen to their homes? They'd destroy them. What happened to their ability to work? They couldn't work. This is exactly what was happening. In this society, when they were notified and people would squeal on them, and by the way, you're going to see later who really does this, basically the Jews, they would go and say, there's one, never bowed to Caesar. Now, also remember in this city, remember one thing, it's filled with idols. Now, when you have idols, is there any kind of businesses that go along with idols? Well, sure, you make the idols, you make money, you make the coins, you make all of those things. Remember that from the book of Acts. So, are you going to be allowed to work there making a coin? Would you work there making a coin to a false god? No. So, as time went on, these people lost everything. Their families, their homes, their jobs. This didn't just like happen, boom. This just, over time, they just kept losing it. Now, see, it's easy for us to sit here and go, hey, big deal. Well, wait a minute. This is incredible. You don't just like wait till tomorrow because your check's coming. You, you have nothing. And you've been used to having a lot. You see, when I, when I go to India, it's not unusual for abject poverty because that's what they're used to. They're lucky if there is rice for tonight. But these people are in a rich area, and their neighbors right next door. And if you've ever visited some of these cities like Mexico and some of these other places, you know, you'll be staying here in a $100 a night hotel room, and you look out your window, like the back window, it's incredible, isn't it, what you see? Slums. Well, that's it. This is what's here. Now, Jesus says to them, you're suffering. I know you're suffering because of the demands of Christianity. Could that ever happen here? Hmm. Why don't you put that in the back of your mind? Because I believe it could happen here. And I believe every day we're inching closer to that. Where we're going to have to take a stand for Jesus Christ. Notice what Jesus says. Look at that verse again. He says this. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are what? Now you want to circle that verse. Because there's wrong teaching. I'll use that general term tonight. It's called the prosperity doctrine. And some of you may be into it. Get out of it. It's not from God. See, the prosperity doctrine, I don't know what they do with that verse. You're in abject poverty, but you're rich. And I was listening to one this week. They're filled with our television. I thought it went by the wayside. It has not. And it's a devastating, ungodly doctrine. Listen what this individual said. She said this. Prosperity is given to us because prosperity comes with a mission. God wants all of us to prosper so we can minister in our prosperity to him. Now that sounds good. What did Jesus say to this church? Well, I guess you can't be much use in this town because you're in abject poverty. Is that what Jesus said to him? He says, no, you're doing an awesome... Their report card is all A's. You're doing a great job. So when you hear people say the only way that you can be useful in the kingdom of God is you, if you have money and prosperity, just turn to this verse, circle it, and go, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Now you say, why do you make a big deal out of it? Because so many Christians are devastated by that false doctrine. Don't go there. You see, Paul said, I learned to, I learned to be content whether I had lots or whether I had what? Nothing. Nothing. God knows. Don't go there. Don't go there. What is Jesus saying? How could he say they're rich? How could he say they're rich? 
Well, listen to what 2 Corinthians 6.10 says. It says this, Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. This isn't new. This has been talked about before. If we are ever seeing a day where I believe we're in danger in our country, it's today. Let me read you a verse. It comes from Matthew. Excuse me, Luke. It says this, The real good life has nothing to do with money, wealth, or things. Here's what Jesus said. Then he said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And yet, what do we have in our country today? Every popular program has one word in it today. And what is that word? Millionaire. Would Jesus agree with that? No. You see, this world continues to change the price tags. We don't know what's valuable anymore. It's got to have dollars with it. So many diamonds. That's what, that isn't what value is. Remember, guys, when we leave this earth, we leave 100% behind. So Jesus says this, Matthew 6, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's the reason. For where your treasure is, it's where your heart's going to be. When we're prosperous, when everything is going well, when our health is there, you know where God is? He's way in the background. Because we can do it on ourselves. We don't need God. And what you're going to see, and what I, I believe you're going to begin to see, even, even though our, a few churches are growing and doing well and booming, that's because people are hungry. But more and more people are being deceived that riches equal fulfillment. Riches never equal fulfillment. And those people will come to a dead end, and we need to be there for them. But I want to say a warning to you, because the Lord just says for me to do that. Do not get entangled with the things of this world. They will drag you down spiritually. Let's put our treasure in heaven. What is treasure in heaven? Well, it's serving. It's giving. It's sharing our testimony. It's being excited about the things of God. And many of you are here, and I know you're doing that, but do not get caught up into this greed deal because God is not pleased. And usually the only time the church does well is when it goes through persecution. Now, I'm not praying for persecution. I'm not that stupid. I'm not in the car with this guy from California. I believe God can bless us without that if we'll keep our priorities right. I can't do that for you. I can only do it for me. And I can struggle even with my wife and I. We must keep our priorities right. You keep your priorities right. Jesus said to them, hey, it's okay. Look at what First Timothy says here. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who provides richly everything we have for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And you guys are generous in your tithes and offerings. You're, you're awesome. 
First Timothy 6.19 In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. You see, real life isn't here. It's in paradise. So just stop for a moment. Grade yourself. Grade yourself with possessions and greed and materialism. Give yourself a grade. Go ahead. Where's God? Where's stuff? Where's greed? Next. Verse 9 also goes on and it says they're faithful in slander. What does that mean? He says, I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of a synagogue of Satan. So these people were not only poor, didn't have anything, but now they're being smeared. What does it mean there? It meant this. Many Jews who were in this town remained loyal to Rome for one reason, to save their own skins. So they would even go... So what's the big deal? Caesar is God. Big deal. Who cares? We just said it. We don't mean it. So these were the people who were the informers, who were the accusers of the Christians. Now what about the synagogue of Satan? What is Jesus saying? This is a very strong statement. Here's what he means. In those days, the majority of Christians originally, obviously, were Jews. The Gentiles who became Christians then compared themselves to Jews, like completed Jews. So when the children of Israel would meet together, even in the synagogues in those days, they would call themselves the assembly of the Lord. Basically, that's what a synagogue meant. It means coming together, a congregation. So John is saying this through Jesus. You call yourselves, Jews, the assembly of God, not, not a denomination, the assembly of God, when in fact you are the assembly of Satan. Now once before, when Jesus was on earth, one of the Gospels, he said the very same thing. He says, if you really knew who I was, you'd realize I've come from God, but you don't realize this, and your father is Satan. That made the Jews livid. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying this. In their hearts, these Jews said they were Jews. Well, what is a Jew? A Jew is basically this, one who is governed by God. So Jesus was saying, I don't really care what you're saying, you're not really a Jew. Write this down, we won't have time to go there tonight, but you, you can look this up. This is a really interesting verse, Romans 2, Romans 2, 28 and 29, I'll read it to you. See, Paul loved the Jews, he was a Jew, look what he says to them. He said, a man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly nor a circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not of a written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. So what Jesus was saying is this, as Paul was saying, you can call yourself whatever you want, you can hang your shingle on you, you can call yourself a Calvary Chapelite or a Christian or whatever, you can just hang your shingle on it. But if it isn't from the inside, you're not really that at all. What could we call some churches in our town tonight? Well, I wrote a couple names, the First Church of Satan of West Melbourne. Here's another one, Palm Bay Satan Church. Now you won't find that out front, but Jesus would call them that. Why? Because no longer do they teach what? The truth. No longer do they teach the word of God. God has left them a long time ago. Who is their leader? Is it God? No. See, there's only two leaders tonight. Satan or God. You say, well, that's a pretty bold statement. Now, notice I didn't name any churches. 
And we're not after doing that. But this is exactly what Jesus said to his own people. The synagogue here, put a name on it. Synagogue of Satan. Why? They're persecuting real believers. They don't even believe in Jesus. They're bowing down to Caesar. That can happen. By the way, that's going to happen more and more in our country. I was listening to a radio program and thought it was very interesting. It was a true story. A lady called in from California. She said this. I'm in a real dilemma. I'm in a, a church. And she, she gave the name of the church. I won't give it. It's not important. It wasn't a Calvary Chapel. Not that couldn't come. Then I hope it never come from there. She said this. We've been without a pastor for a year, basically. And we have numbers of pastors coming through that are just guest speakers. Now, we've had one that's come about four times. And he's an awesome speaker. But the last time he was there, he shared from the pulpit one thing. And she said, this bothers me. He got up and he says this. I like to practice Zen Buddhism. Now, he says, I don't believe in all of the things, but I just like to incorporate that in my quiet time. So she said, huh? So she went to the church elders, big church. The church elders met and said, don't get excited. Notice what he said. He doesn't believe in all that. He just incorporates it into his quiet time. So we're going to allow him. He's an excellent speaker of the word. It's fine. Don't get excited. Now, what would you do if you were that lady? See, she did what she tried to do. She went to the leadership of the church and said, this isn't right. I mean, how can he stand there and say that? This isn't right. And the leaders of the church said, it's okay. It's okay. So the pastors there said, you've done what you can do. You can pray for him, but you better find a church where the word of God is taught. And there's many of them. You see, that's what Jesus was saying. Now, you can have a shingle outside that says whatever. And you can walk around tonight and say you're a born-again Christian. But if it's not in your heart, there's a day coming when you're going to stand before God and God's going to say words you don't want to hear. You need to become a true Christian. Because if you're not serving God, you're serving Satan. Now, that's hard words. But that's the truth. And that's exactly what Jesus said here. What's happening? Well, he goes on. We thought that was bad enough news. But look at the next. Faithful unto five letters we don't like to hear. Death. How do they get? They get an A. Look in verse 10. Now, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Can you imagine telling that? What are they already suffering? Poverty, slamming, no jobs, family separated, probably on the streets, many of them. He says, here's good news. There's more to come. Can you imagine being there in the service and say, oh, thanks a lot for this great postcard. He says, do not be afraid of about what, of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, you might want to circle this, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. I'll read you a little story that one of you wrote me last week about Satan in the book of Revelation. It's very interesting what a local church spoke to her about. And you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. The devil. He said, the devil will put some of you in prison to do what? Test you. Just right by that verse, John 10.10. What is the goal of Satan tonight? The goal of Satan is this. John 10.10 says this. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It has never changed. It will never change. Do you know that Satan is out to steal? and kill, and destroy you. What is he trying to do here? Well, one of the things he's really trying to do, as you can imagine what he's trying to do, he's trying to get them to renounce their faith, to turn their back in the face of fear, to throw in the tile, say, that's enough, we've suffered enough, we're not going to suffer anymore. It's the same thing that always happens from Satan. Just write down by that word here, fear is the enemy of peace. 
Fear is the enemy of peace. So Jesus says, do not be afraid. Now, why shouldn't we be afraid? Because Jesus says this, I know what you are about to suffer. See, everything in our hands, everything in our lives, God knows about. Notice they mention prison here. Now, really, in those days, they didn't have prisons like we would think. They'd have a few dungeons and whatever. But in those days, mostly, prison was simply a temporary place to try you and then take you where? To be killed. So, I mean, it's not like today. We, you know, one millionth of a percent of those people end up being killed. But there, when you ended up there, you're on the way to be killed. It was just a temporary mode. So what Jesus says is, I know about your future. I know it's going to get worse, but don't be afraid. Do you know tonight, God knows about your future. He knows what's ahead for you. He knows what's ahead for me. And he says to you tonight, do not be afraid. He said, well, I'm really fearful right now. Do not be afraid. Put your trust in God. Relax. He's in control. I wrote something. Notice it says, Persecution for 10 days. There's lots of different theories, and I don't have time to go into all those theories tonight. Some people believe it means a short period of time. Other people mean it specifically just means 10 days. Other people mean it's 10 different kinds of persecution over, over the next 200 years, and I think that's possible. I'm just going to take it as 10 days. So what does that mean? It means this. Notice there is no promise of immediate deliverance or relief. Huh. <laughs> In other words, don't be afraid, I'm going to get you out of this right now. You're not going to have to go through one more thing. He doesn't say that. He says, I know what you're about to suffer. It's going to last a short period of time. It could last 10 days. But notice one other thing. The suffering has what? A limit. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that when we go through trials and tribulation, it's always limited by God. So what does that mean to me today? Study the parable of the hearer. Mark chapter 4. You see later... It says that when people come to Jesus Christ, some people fall away. Why do they fall away? It says in verse 17, when trouble or persecution comes, they quickly fall away. That's Satan's goal. He wants to make it so hard on us. Well, you, you know, every, and you hear this from a new Christian, I came to Christ and everything got worse. <laughs> that does happen. But who's with you now? The all-knowing, the all-powerful, the creator of the universe is with you. He's going to help you. He'll get you through it. There is a limit to those kind of things. Be careful. Do not fear. Satan is a defeated enemy. James puts it like this. And I've never learned this yet. I quote it, but I don't learn it. Consider it pure joy. My brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that testing your faith develops perseverance. Hmm. Be fearless in persecution. Nothing enters our lives without God knowing it. Nothing. Every situation first passes through the loving hands of God. Every thing that's in your life now, unless you're out in abject sin, just headed down your own road, then that's your own fault. But if you're, if you're following God, everything that's coming in your life goes through His loving hands. As we heard in today's teaching, those who are concerned with wealth while on earth are missing out on the real treasure. We read in 1 Timothy to put our hope in God, rich in good deeds and willing to share. When men slander your God, be faithful. When you face persecution, even to the point of death, be faithful. 
The letter reminded the faithful not to be afraid of what man thinks or what could be done to you, but trust him. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 3904, and the title of this message is Fearless. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is 3904, and the title of this message is Fearless. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we hear what this part of Revelation has to say about the suffering of Christ followers. No one looks forward to suffering, but it can produce stronger faith. Pastor Mark will introduce the overcomer and how we can all strive to be one when we seek Jesus to help us overcome the world. We will also hear a word about the fate of those who do not. We've run out of time today, but we do continue to encourage you to join us as Pastor Mark goes through the book of Revelation. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 